And I think that's a great place to begin because not letting yourself off the hook. Never I think that that's I think that's Ever. another tennis rockers sort of I don't know if you want to call it a value, but it's just not letting yourself off the hook, right? I use it and all the time in lessons. I'll say to somebody, "Hey, we're going to warm up and I need you to do X Y and Z." And after about 5-10 minutes, they start looking at the clock and I'm like, "I'm not going to let you off the hook. Do you want me to?" And then you can tell they're being like called out. Right. Right. And like, no, no, no. And there's that uncomfortable moment where they, where they just for a second, they'd love to sit there and look at you and say, <laughs> yeah, I, I would actually. Right. Right. Or is he, is he really going to make me rally to a hundred? And if I don't get there, we're never going to back off the service line. Yes. <laughs> it's going to be a long hour of mini tennis. 100. Oh, 99. <laughs> Here we go again. <laughs> you know, but, right, but why do you want to let But I find that fascinating hook? that you're not willing. I find that fascinating. You're not willing to risk your, your money, which I, I find that fascinating because I, I think that there's people out there. I'm sure of it, that there's people out there that would let coaches that would let people off the hook because they don't want the guy to sit there and come back to, or just text them next week and say, you know what? I'm kind of done. I'll see you later. Like, you're not afraid of that. I give you a lot of credit for that. A lot of credit. Cause I, I, I but I'll I, tell you why lesser though, people, I might be afraid of that. I mean, honestly, you but, know, but I'll tell you why, because I spent many a year trying to be somebody I wasn't. And when I discovered my path, the way that, that Sully needed to go, your approach within coaching, coaching or my music career, whatever it may be yeah. when I, cause I went the corporate route of, you know, going to college and trying to blah, blah, blah. And yeah. this is the safe way. And right. that wasn't me. And so I was pretending, I was pretending to be somebody I wasn't being like, Oh, look, I have money and look at my minivan I've got with all my, and my suit going to my job. And I mean, it's fine if that's what you want and that's who you are, but that wasn't who I was. So when I go, went through, my metamorphosis and was like, wait a minute, who, who am I? What am I about? What are my values? What's my value system? And what are my core, what are the core things that make me, me? And when I figured that out and I started pursuing that, even when I had money or didn't have money doing the music thing, I always felt like me. And then when I went into, got into tennis because my music career went belly up and my boss tagged me for coaching with no experience at all and not having play, and, and having played mediocre tennis growing up. This is 20 years ago. Yeah, this is 20 way. years ago. You're right, yeah. 20 years ago. I was like, okay, well, I'm, he was like, dude, just do you. And I was like, okay, I'll just do my values and I'll try to fit in the tennis around that. Yeah. And I based it on that because I didn't, I remember what it was like putting on the monkey suit and pretending to be, Somebody I was So wasn't. when you first started coaching though, did you did you um obviously you were like anybody who's beginning something new in that regard, were you more um conservative and trying to like follow the road that others were already doing? Like you looked around, you saw other coaches coaching a certain way and you because you probably didn't come right out and were not sullied no, right from day one. No, right. No, I I followed other coaches, how they drilled, mm -hmm. probably I'd say even how they talked or the how they thing, interacted with how we taught. Yes. And I would say the main thing for me was getting comfortable the first five years on disseminating how I disseminated information, not necessarily coming up with my own program. I was imitating, you know, coaches that I liked and trying their styles. Right. So I would see my boss, who is awesome, uh, Daryl, my idol, and good friend. And I would watch him coach. I was like, oh, that's cool. I'm going to try. I was like, can I try that? I'm going to steal your drill. And he's like, sure, go. But also, even in the way that you talk to students, I'm sure. I would try to. Right. You modeled. Did you, did you find yourself modeling that sort of like the way maybe Daryl would have talked? Like, I don't know Daryl's coach or whoever, but I'm just saying, did you yeah, find yourself absolutely. doing that? Yeah, I, I would, yeah. And, but, I was, but I was trying to find my voice within a sport I had not been around for a very long time. Yeah. So, but I'll tell you though, over five, and there was another guy um, who helped me a lot also, another coach from Winnetka. And he was really, he would, he would give me props he used to use when he was older and he'd say, here, here, I used to use these props. You might like these. I saw you were doing this drill. 
Oh, that and, was cool. And, and he would talk. He taught next to me. Yeah. And he would say, "Hey, um, did you ever think of this though?" And I was like, "Oh," but he was great also. And I had a lot of guys like, and there were other coaches that I just didn't jibe with, but. I would watch their styles and say, no, that's not me. That's not me. So, and I was just devouring reading. I've read every tennis book from like 1925. (laughs) I just like old (laughs) tennis books. I like looking at the old drills. Like I really found something that I found really interesting on a a different level than athletics. There's an artistry to it. It's not just, that's the whole point of tennis rockers is calling it. It's an artistry. Yes. So, so I didn't want to let myself off the hook. And just say, well, I'll just do it their way. So over the, I said, the course of five years, I started developing my style of running a drill, right? Of running a class and how I taught. And well, at some point there had to have been a realization too for you where it's like, okay, well, there's the Daryl style and there's the Bob style and there's the Phil style or whatever. Maybe I got to have my own style. Well, I'd hybrid, I'd cherry pick here and there. Yeah. And then over time I was like, you know what, this. I'm not enjoying this, even if they're because my thing is also I've worked enough jobs where I was getting money, but killing time. Right. And I'm not a time killer. Right. I'm not that guy. I need to sit down and have a conversation. I need to connect. I need to find it interesting for myself. I can't just phone it in. But I think it's important when you talk about that. I think it's also important to call it the fact that you your personality today was not the personality that you brought in those first five years, you, you probably, I think it was more, it was, it was more abrasive. I think actually, I, I think I've actually figured out how to tone, amp it up while toning it down in a better way. That's more effective for people. That's funny. And it lets them relax. Whereas I think I was guilty of making people feel stupid. Right. Um, and I, and I okay. don't, and not, not, like not by saying you're stupid, but like, no, it's like this. Right. And the minute you do that, it's like, oh, I, right. And it's, and I became really self-aware. My goal, I think, was self-awareness on the court of myself as a coach. Because I always knew I, just, I do not come from a, an elite background of sports. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a social, I'm a club player. I'm a social player. So I also started getting better. So I didn't let myself off the hook, right? I had this thing where I was like, how can I teach these people how to be better tennis players? And I'm mediocre. I, I need to bring it. I need to get better. So I sent myself on a mission to get better every year. And I used to write all my drills out meticulously where I'd write out like, I'm going to do this drill. Then on this, I'm gonna, at this time, I'm going to do this drill. And that was that didn't work <laughs> because people don't learn like that. And you know, you try to say, okay, we're going to do, well, as soon as you bring people into the equation, they're not machines. So and what looks just... good in writing isn't necessarily good in practice. Right. And so you have to learn that, but you also have to have a sense of humor with yourself and your students where you say, you know what? That's not going well. We're, <laughs> we're going to change. I had a plan. So over the, over time I've gotten really good at, becoming more self-aware of how my behavior and attitude on the court affects my students' learning. I've become really adept at creating my own drills now and seeing how to scaffold, meaning if I introduce a topic either in a private lesson or in a class, how where the next Lego piece would go? How do these connect in a bigger picture? And I have a feel for when to put move that forward with a student and when to dial it back. And I'm also trying to create an atmosphere on the court where my students can say, can we not move ahead right now? Can we just stay right here? Can you re-explain that? You know, one thing I said, one of my students gave me a t-shirt this year, hilarious as a, as a Christmas gift that says, does that make sense? With a question mark. And I, I say that all the time. I will explain something say, well, you know, the Magnus effect is when, you're, when your body's moving forward, when you hit the ball, and it's going to create this drag on the ball, it's going to go down, and does that, does that make sense? And, 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 you know, and some people think, think that as like, does that make sense, you idiot? It's not what I'm saying. When, it, when, when I ask that, does that make sense? Really, I'm not asking you if you understand it. What I'm asking, did I explain that to you in a way that you understand it. But it also because creates I, that, an intellectual marker for your students to be able to sit there and go, okay, we're at the end of this. 
this period of this section that this coach, my coach wants me to get, we're at the end of it. So you're creating an end marker for them. Yes. Which is very important. Yes. Because the thing is, if you don't create end markers, an hour lesson just looks like a big mess of stuff. But then and with, it becomes overwhelming, I, right? And with no end marker, there's nowhere to there's nowhere to go. You can't you can't build off of it. You can't scaffold at all. No. And some people don't see scaffolding connections. That's the hard part also. You know, you can try to say, "Well, do you see how A goes with B?" And people will always say, "Yeah, yeah, I see it. I see it." But there is a disconnect between the mental connection and the physical connection. Absolutely. And I think that that is yet again. Isn't that tennis rockers is, though? Rock my brain, rock my body. That's what we're talking about is how do we, how do we bridge that gap between mind and brain and body, right? We have these cons and, and not just with a student, I think with our coaching also, how do you get that? How do you get those two things to connect that translate to lifelong tennis players socially elite tennis players nationally and world titles to elite players and national titles. And how do we, and, and a collegiate level at, you know, grand slams, how do we get Americans to win? Right. Like all these things, like I I think these all have value, but how do we, there's, there's definitely a disconnect. I think, which you and I have been trying to hammer out between students understanding concepts and physically getting them and applying them as well as coaches on how we're coaching and get how we disseminate that information and, and bridge that gap is what we're doing, helping the brain and body connect or are we, and, and you've talked a lot about emotional, right? The emotional quotient of the game where we, we don't even address that. At all. I don't think I do. But. We always talk about it. We always talk about the mental game. But I think the problem is, is that we end up infusing, c- confusing and infusing the mental with the emotional game. And they're two totally separate things. Well, right. I, Tactically for you to sit there and say, okay, we're on the, we're on the ad side and I want you to, you know, we were working on the two, two to one pattern the other day on the court with my sons. And I want you to hit it this way. And I want you to do it. Okay. That's a mental exercise. But then when they don't make it, there's a few times when they're not making it, the emotions kick in and suddenly they're like, they're like, God, I can go. <laughs> and, and you're like, you're like, it's okay. It's okay. That's not helpful. That's not, I understand. I want to honor your emotional moment. I get it. I've been there a lot, but you got to separate the two and you got to honor your emotional moment and sit there and say, okay. And then I, and then I try to give like mantras. So one of the mantras that I try to give on the court with them is like, well, this is tough, but I'm going to get it. That's not necessarily an intellectual tactical strategic thing. And some people would sit there and they'd be like, oh, that's so woo woo. But the reality is, is that you need something, you need a tool. And that's a tool. It's an emotional tool you need at that moment. And so, well, this is tough, but I'm going to get it becomes a tool that you can use when you're in that moment. And if you don't have that tool, then you just do what we've seen (laughs) countless people do whip rackets, smash them on the court, like freak out, jump up and down in their rat, whatever. I don't know. Everybody's is it, but isn't it amazing though? Isn't this amazing that a silly game with a ball that you hit across a net can elicit such responses or any sport for that matter, that when you try to put brain and body together, that that really, it pushes all the right buttons for the wrong behavior. But the reason that it does that, the reason that it does that, why does it do that? Because we're not taking this apart. The reason that it does that is we haven't normalized it and said, listen, this is normal for you. 
you're going to come on this court and you're going to have tons of mistakes. We're not celebrating mistakes and we're not, we're not sitting there saying, yes, good. You're that much closer to getting to that moment, but you're not going to be there for quite some time. We're not acknowledging the obvious truths in the room, right? Or the, the court, the obvious truths on the court are you're coming on and you're new to this or you're new to it, but you haven't been practicing or whatever it is, whatever the obvious truth is, let's acknowledge that and let's, and also create a spirit in the group. If it's a group dynamic, create a spirit where listen, we're going to make mistakes. We're going to look like fools. It's totally okay. Because guess what? At the end of the day, the person next to you, if they're playing really well, was there at one point or another in their game. They didn't just show up like that. <laughs> they had to work at that a lot. And so let's acknowledge those things. And so it's not that, you know, it's, it's not that, uh, you have to acknowledge those emotions. We, I was playing Simon, the game Simon, the little the video game. four, the, the video little game four the color the circle and the green. Yeah, and, and I was playing it right. Right. So we're all playing this as a family this morning, and we're all playing it. And my one son is getting very frustrated. He's having that moment, and I said to him, I, I, I. So the the emotional thing to say was, listen, you're going to struggle with this. That's okay. We, you, you know, and I said. I gave him a tool. I said, you need to sit there and say, okay, what's the pattern? It's red, blue, blue, red. Okay, there you go. Now you've got the tool and do, and I was doing it over and he didn't need to do it. He wanted to have the pride. That's the pride factor. It's getting in the way. I should be able to do this. Listen, yeah, you should be able to do it, but no one said you should be able to do it right now. But, but that, that's between, I understand what I'm supposed to do. Why can't I do it? And I think everybody rests. That's a great story because Simon is exactly what tennis is except you're running with a projectile coming at you and you're holding a weapon which is even more complicated than sitting there with a little circle that's lighting up and making sounds it's even more complicated ah but but it actually makes you feel worse because you're sitting in front of a little circle and you're not running with a with a projectile and and a weapon right but i think that's because we haven't deconstructed we haven't deconstructed we got these guys who play really well you know they might be rallying really well on the court next to it and we haven't deconstructed that that's a really complicated thing it's actually a, a quite complicated thing to do. Because it looks simple. Right? It looks like right. you should be able. When to you write. see when you see really right. good athletes doing something, yes, right? or anybody, right? Anybody right. at a, a, a high musician level. or whatever, yeah. Talking looks, on a microphone, right, is not easy, right? Somebody gets in front of it and they're like, oh, right. Right. <laughs> you know, and or when somebody picks up a guitar, somebody will watch somebody playing at a concert and they're just jamming away, just jamming away. And they don't even think about it because their body, they've made the connection between their brain and their body or typing for that matter. Right. Just going away and doing all this sort of stuff. People, we have to, I think we need to, we need to, we need to cut it down a little bit and we need to deconstruct it more for people. And I know that sounds boring, but I think it would lead to a lot greater happiness in, in the struggle, because that's really what you're going to face when you're out there every day is the struggle. I mean, I see guys who play really well and they still get freaked out and have little like spazos on the court. And I'm like, but you did really well in these other ways. Like, why are you having a, why are you, my kids are over here and you're dropping F-bombs and you're playing with your other 40 year old buddy and you're not playing. Are you playing for beers? I mean, what are you playing for? I don't get it. Like what? Okay. R- really? I mean, well, if I was playing for beer, I might get upset. You know, <laughs> like, I might be like, all right. But I, th- but again, you're, there's this thing. And I want to point out that I think your perspective is really important for the podcast because you had a bad experience growing up, which we've, which we've, we're, we've been bringing up off and on in, in our own conversations. Yeah, I mean, I, had, I played tennis since I was six, but yeah. Oh, but you, when your boys are now nine, Cannibal and Bomber, right. they are nine, and they went, started this journey at five, correct? Yeah, a little bit earlier, but yeah. But, but let's say 45. Yeah, yeah, because you're like, hey, it'd be something we can do as the guys. I, I, I liked it. Here's what's weird about you. Everything. Yeah, well, pretty much, yeah. You're, 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 you're like me. We're, you're freaky. Uh, you had a good experience with this. Right. You loved the game and were wired for it, but the people that were helping you do it ruined it. 
I always liked the game. I had the wrong people around me also, but I leaned, but I wanted to stay in it. So I ended up like cleaning, cleaning tennis courts as a kid and, and being, I liked the whole atmosphere, right? I liked the club atmosphere. I liked being around it, the, the clubhouse and I liked cleaning. I liked being a ball boy. I liked, I liked being a part of putting the show on. Does that make sense? Yeah. But I, th- oh, there we go. There's my shirt again. Does that make sense? But you have this perspective, which I think is interesting that you loved it and hated it at the exact same time. And now that you have your young boys at four, four and a half, they're getting to be five. You're like, you know, I'm going to bring them on out and see if, see if they like this. And when I first met you, how many years ago is that now? Is that two? I think so, yeah. It's two years ago. So the boys were seven. I thought you were one of these crazy dad parents that are forcing their kids. Like, I played tennis. You're going to play tennis. And come on, come on. Well, there is nothing furthest from the truth on this. And... What I see from them and from you is an extremely healthy parent-child relationship that you have managed to bridge the gap of coaching your kid by not being their friend and still being their parent and keeping this, you and your wife, keeping this this nuclear family that are not, right now doesn't resent anything because the boys want to go. It's like, it's so wired. And so they're not you're pushing them. I don't know how that happened. I don't know if they're just wired that I bet they're like, we need dad. We need to practice for like three hours today. And you're like, really? Uh, okay, fine. Right. So it was what an hour. Then it's two hours, eight years old. It's now three hours. We're at nine. And they're like, four hours isn't enough, dad. Like that is weird. But to spend that much time, with a dad slash coach and your family and their twins, like they're, they are hardwired for work. I mean, it's insane. I, and I've played against them. I have, and they are like, what we're done. I've been here too. I gotta go. I got, I got my own kids, dude. They're like, and then, then I get a text uh, like at like t- nine o'clock at night. Sully, Sully, we, we just wait for another two hours, right? But how is that? Think about the perspective you have, and I think that people need to hear this because it's really important. I mean, at first, were you like, oh, this is dumb. Like, this is not going to go well. Did you think it would last this long? Be, oh, so let's just start with that because I, I don't think I've even asked you these questions. Did you ever think that five years later, four and a half years, you'd still you'd be at go? Boys at you, boy. There was no... There was, I I had no idea. I honestly had no idea because I was like, I'm going to introduce this to them and I'm going to see what goes on. And you know, it was pretty funny because at the beginning I was like, you know, I was doing what you were talking about just a few minutes ago and modeling tennis coaches. Right. So I guess you and I have taken the same journey at different times, but you know, I was (laughs) found myself on the tennis court with my young sons and they're like, you know, they get these little tiny rackets and the whole thing. And I'm like, all right, let's stand up at the net and we're going to work at the net for a few minutes. We're going to work the hands of the clock. Okay, here we go. 12 o'clock and six (laughs) o'clock. And I'm like, now on the forehand, you're a righty bomber. You're a lefty. Here's what we're going to do. All right. I'm going to stand here. You know what I mean? And I'm like one o'clock on the forehand on the net, one o'clock, two o'clock, three o'clock, four o'clock, five o'clock, six o'clock, six o'clock will be kind of like a scoop, right? And I'm going through this whole thing and they're just like, blah, blah, blah. and they just want to hit the ball and whack it up in the air or whatever. And we've got these red ball or whatever we, I don't even think we had those at the time because I hadn't even seen that stuff. I hadn't even seen that stuff. All I knew was a yellow ball, which is what I grew up with, but I honestly had no, um, I had no thing where I was like, oh, this is what's going to happen and this is what's going to do. But I will tell you one of the parts about is my being so close with it. My kids have taught me some things. They'll see things and they're like, dad, uh, you know, uh, when you're going to serve, you're, you're dropping your head, you know, and, and they're noticing like yesterday was foot fault day. They were, they took the video camera or the phone and they're like going on the line and they're catching each other. And then they went on the whiteboard and they're marking down all the times that each other foot fault. And that, that was aggravating for one and not for the other. And then the other guy turns on him and is like, well, you're going to foot fault. I'm going to show that you're foot faulting all the time, which was great because they became aware of it. But I had no idea that this is, that this is where it's going to go. But then again, you know, I'm, you know, when we do serve and return, 
I, I actually don't want to give up my, my turn in line. So one guy's serving to, to the other guy who's returning and I fill in and I'm like, all right, I'll return. And sometimes I put both against me, but I don't want to give up my turn. You know what I mean? Because I'm like, I find this fun. Like you'd be, I'd be hard pressed to find it fun. No offense to anybody out there, but I'd be hard pressed to find it fun to dribble around a soccer ball in a field. I just, it just, I, I know we're, we're, we're tennis players. I'm not yeah, right. I get it. I'm I not totally that. I'm not so, that. Rewind so. a second though. So were you surprised? So after you did a couple lessons, can you go back to the first lesson you had with the boys? Or I don't say lesson. It's not saying it's a lesson. Yeah, yeah, I don't know I mean, hanging else. out with your kids on the court. Yeah. The next day we're like, hey, can we go back? Well, they weren't. I mean, actually the first ones we started to do when they were like three. So they were like three and we were down by the lake. When did they start and, asking? I guess we're like, hey, can we do that again? Do you know what? I don't know. That or they, did they just assume we were just going to I think they just it. assumed. I think it just became kind of like a, yeah, we're going to do it. It was dead you know, time. kind of thing. And at some level, it's it's ebbed and flowed. At some level, you know, it's been a skip school. They didn't have the greatest some elementary school experiences with some of the kids and teachers. And so it was like, okay, I'm done for the day. Thank God. I'm going to go play tennis. <laughs> I want to go play. I want to go do this. Do you know what I mean? Which, which is good too, right? So I can't say that it's one, like, I don't want the record to reflect that it's like this one thing or whatever. It's been just an amalgamation of things that have led to these, you know, it's a hot mess like life and I've allowed it to be that way. Have you forced them? Sometimes I have, I guess sometimes I'm forced and forced in the sense of like, come on guys, we have to go practice, you know, or it's a day where they wanted to no, no, but I'm not talking. Go to the jump zone or yeah, something. Yeah, but you're talking about now oh. when, when they've both have committed to like, we, we want to do this all the time. Right. And you've established, well, if you want to be that good and you're thinking that maybe you want to be a pro player, we need, this is what we need to do. Right. We can quit at any time, which you've said. We, you guys can quit at any time, but yeah. then, but that's, and the kid's like, no, I don't want to do that. Right. So that, that's not the kind of force that I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is early on, you're like, no, we're going now. Right. And the kids like, we don't want to go. And you're like, we're going. Yeah. My kids have never said, let me just put it this way. My kids have never said, they have said it a couple of times. They've been like, do we have to, I want to go do this with mom or something like that. And I would say like, yeah, we can go do this with mom. Why don't we play? Why don't we play for just half an hour and see how it's like to keep a consistency. And then we went and did the other thing and I honored my word about it, but I never made it like, no, we're not going to see mom at all. This is not the way it's going to go down and whatever. I've been like, okay, well let's try to keep working at this. And the main reason that I've done that is out of a sense of, um, a commitment. I, I gotta be careful here. Cause mastery is so overplayed, but no, you can say I, it though. I, you can say it. I know. I know in say my it. heart no, hold that on, hold on. mastery, I know in my heart that you as a person, if you want to achieve a certain level and that depends on what level you want to achieve and that's everybody's business, their own business. But if you want to achieve a certain level of mastery, you got to put in the time. I mean, it's just that simple. There are no naturals. I don't believe in that. No, I, and we I mean, talked about that. Yeah. Right? Hard work. It's, right. It's, it's, we don't want to talk about. But kids don't understand that. And as an adult, that's my job is to is to instill that ethic in them. So they get like they were just because, you know, I'm German by background. But, you know, my kids, well, what am I going to sit there and say? Oh, well, it's just not, oh, well, German, your heart's a bunch of bull. But what I will say is like I've, I've tried to instill that in them. And if they were to say to me, Dad, we're not going to do tests. I can I can swear in a stack of Bibles right now. I would say that's fine. I get it. You've worked very hard. I wouldn't necessarily throw this away just yet. Let's table it. But whatever we're going to do, I want you to pick something. I don't care what it is. You are going to pick something. You're not going to dabble. You're going to pick something and you're going to dive. You're going to dive into it. Whatever it is. I don't really I don't really care. I can try to help you and point you in directions based on what I know about your personality, based on the things I've seen you drawn to in the past, but you're not going to dabble. You're going to dive into it and you're going to really get into it because if you don't you're never going to really know what you're capable of. You're never going to appreciate that, I think. Well, I, th I do I just think you have to be careful with the word dabble though because I actually do believe in dabbling. And but I have to I want to qualify what I mean by it. And I think we're saying the same thing. I think we are, yeah. You dabble until something grabs you. Right. And then when and then when you're like, you know, I'm kind of 
leaning towards that. So I guess right? what I should have said was you're going to you're going to dabble around with a bunch of things, but find that thing that seems to grab you and then you're going to dive into because it. Because if all you do is dabble, you're a jack of all trades, master, master of, of nothing. None. Right. Yeah, right. right. Exactly. And that's and then and so that's and, and I want because I want you to it's not just that for me, it's more I want you to experience the sheer joy that you can feel by um, being able to do something at a certain level. It's just to do it. It's all to be in the moment and flow and engrossed in it and really feel that feeling that grabs you and makes you want to come back to it but you can't get to that level of joy until you you know at first when you first approach something whether it's tennis or something else you can clank around on it and you feel a certain sense of joy because it's new but after a while that can start to really wear thin and you have to work really hard to try to keep in there to try to keep going in there. Right. And so, and oftentimes you do that vis-a-vis seeing other people who are very good at doing it. So you might see somebody who plays the saxophone and they're really good. So you go back and you're like, wow, it's really, I, I just, just, you know, I got to try to get, I want, I, I'm inspired or a tennis player. I'm, I'm inspired to play like that. I want to play like that. And, and you have to also, there's so much that's so complicated. You have to shut the world out and not be afraid of what others judgments are on you and screwing up and not look. And that's an emotional thing. And that's something that I, as a, as a kid, and that's another reason why I wanted to do this podcast because the emotional is so important because the reality is I think a lot of people suffer from this. They're looking around and they're thinking, Oh, what are these people? These people next to you, they don't really care. <laughs> they don't. And even if you see them, okay, so you're going to laugh at me. Okay. You're going to laugh at me. And I, okay, well, you know what? You were there at some point too. And if you're that insecure that you have to pick on me because I'm a lesser player than you, I mean, there's well, so something because, about you, not well, that me. That makes them feel better about themselves. Right. It's dysfunctional. But so, but I think that's really a bit of the rock things that we're looking to become a rock and roll person, whatever it is. You, oh, you but hold on. So th- here's another connection for us that if people haven't figured it out at this point, we both like to rock out. I, you know, I have my, my own band. I've song. I've been songwriting for a very long time. You play guitar, and all I can say is, when I'm having a really bad, let's say I'm having whatever in my personal life that something's off. And I go out to it, the tennis court and I start coaching and I start hitting with somebody. Right. I, I swear to God, and I'm not, and I mean this, it just disappears. Right. It's just like when I'm- And that's I, a lot better than going to the bar and drinking. Oh my God. And then, and then here's another one too. And when I do music, like when I'm working on it, we were just recording last week and I started working on a song and I'm not a very good singer. I, I had said I have, a, I have my own style. It's called New York Yelling <laughs> and my band Theft of the Gallows and I'm working with this new guitar player and we do some recording and I was just like letting it go. And I remember him, I'm looking over and I was like, how was that? And he's like, how was that? It was awesome. <laughs> and I was like, I don't even, I didn't even hear you at one point. And he's like, I stopped playing. I was just in it. And like to have, to have that thing where you've done it to the point where you've reached artistry and mastery and an understanding of how your body and brain work together in that medium, whether it be music or tennis or painting or, or starting a business. I don't care what it is, but when you reach that level, right. Time disappears and any issues you have are just like, it's like, you know, I don't think that's that important. This so is I would, amazing. I would turn this on its head and flip it okay. and sit there and say, it's not just when you, it's, it's not just going into the activity and having that experience that causes these things to melt away and causes you to feel a certain way about life, but it's also the preceding effects of the, of the after reality of that. <laughs> so the point is, is that the after, so the, that's the crickets, man. So the, oh, after, I have no idea what you just said. <laughs> like, can we just rewind? So the after reality of being successful at doing something. The after reality right. of being successful after doing something. Right. Is that like- the repeating exit. So you know you can draw on that. Like you're look, it's the anticipation effect. You're looking forward to it. You're like, oh, that's right. I can go there. As opposed to the struggle days. 
where you know in the after the the after the the after of that whole thing where you struggled right and you were like not making the shots oh here we go and now i gotta go on the court with coach sully again right and so leading into that is this sort of emotional turmoil or tumult that happens to you and you're like oh god i gotta go to the lesson right but as opposed to you've reached a certain art mastery or whatever and you're like i'm going to the lesson i can't wait to try this out i'm gonna see if i can smoke this guy right i mean that's how my kids that's how my kids approach playing you that's how my kids but my kids could never have approached that if we hadn't done a lot of the of the grinding back work that was there and a lot of the mistakes and going through the emotions and the fights. Right, you don't, you, don't, you don't get the payoff without all the garbage before. Right. If you don't go through all the garbage. But the funny part is you're still gonna go through the garbage even once you've achieved a certain level of mastery because my kids are looking forward to beating you. And listen, they're little. You're six foot plus tall man. I will break that. Who's a coach. I will break that. Right. But you're playing, but my kids have the anticipation going in and my kids have had to, they've gotten their chops busted by it, but you don't tank for them. And so they're like, they're like, you know, they're like, I didn't get away of him, whatever. And I draw it back to, you know what? You got, you got certain plays off of him and you did get points off of him. You just didn't win. And that's okay because it shows that you're getting there and that, and that's another spirit or I got, I got, I got ace by an eight year old. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Just, just, we're going to set the record straight. I came out and I said this earlier too. We're like, Hey, we're going to play guys. And then we've been working on a serve. I'm like, okay. (laughs) Oh, okay. Let's go, man. You just got got burned on the outside on the deuce, right? Like, but oh. but isn't that funny? And that's that's I think the spirit of tennis rockers is that first of all, you're willing to play at that level with my kids, and you don't really care. You're not you don't really care. You're hanging it out there. Kids which don't is really want, kids important. don't want you to dumb it down. Well, they, they don't. No, and I, I do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. But parents sometimes do because they don't want their kid their kid is emotionally to, to feel fragile. to feel bad. Yeah, feel yeah. Bad. Wait, wait, wait. Uh, emotionally fragile. Yeah. But we talk about being anti-fragile. Exactly. We did, but we can't talk about, we can't talk about okay, that okay, right okay, yet. Okay, We're going to talk about that in other episodes. This okay. is the opening episode, which is gone longer than we thought. But the thing is that like you, I, I thought it was so important that you, you know, my kids walk court and they, they were downy about that. And I had to de after they lost to you and I had to deconstruct that for them and sit there and say, but that's part of me being engaged and not just being on my phone, not just being, you know, like, Oh, did you have a nice lesson with Sully? It wasn't even a lesson. You, it wasn't even a lesson. You were just out of the goodness of your heart playing with people you would you had gotten to be friends with and that they had taken a few lessons from you before, but you weren't, it wasn't a lesson, but I could have easily have done the whole, like, you know, I had done, I could have easily have done the whole, like, Oh, so how was the lesson with Patrick? Did you have fun? Oh yeah. Well, that was good. You know? And here I am on the side at this private little court from the fifties, you know, and I'm in the, and I'm in the back, you know, doing the boom, boom, shh. Boom, boom, with my feet on the wooden floor. And, you know, we're getting into it. We're playing music in the background and it's going bananas, but they're having a good time. And it was the whole thing of all of that. And it, it, and, and it was hard the next day to some degree because they got on the court and I'll be honest with you after that, they were a little demoralized because they'd worked very hard. And you had even said you had texted me or we had exchange and you were listening. It's going to, you know, it was like, yeah, I think we'll be okay. But I didn't appreciate it because you have more experience than I do in this. And you were like, listen, this is not going to, and it, but it worked out. But the point is that emotionally, look at how important and impactful that those emotions are to the game. And these are kids. But, that but are hold on. How, how do you expect any player, regardless of age, yeah. to be resilient if you don't send them into a butt kicking time and time again they have to but also and then not just the butt kicking but a loving atmosphere for a butt kicking where you're up there in the grandstand smashing your feet music's playing family's watching right and and it has and, other and, and, i i i have and, to say that i have to interrupt you because it's driving me crazy no, no, just at this moment though no, the other it, thing is it. the more competent you are the less you need and we see this a lot at my kids age we see cheating well the less the more confident you are the less you need to cheat because you're like you know what i'm confident i don't really care 
I blew that, but I don't really care because I'm working at me. I don't, I'm not working at winning. I'm working at me here. And, 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 and I, I, I thought about that when I was on the court, in fact, I wrote it on my notes. I was like, that's an important thing for parents and anybody who's listening to understand that, to appreciate about this game, that the more confident you get, the more you play it, the more, whatever they're accepting you of fault phrase, the more accepting. I mean, that's why at some level, because you coach so much, because you teach so much or whatever, this is a full-time job for you. You're more accepting and you're more, you're, when you make a mistake on your own, I'm sure I bet if we go back to the Patrick, to the Sully that was, you know, in the first five years when you were making mistakes, I bet you were a lot harder on yourself. Oh, I was embarrassed. I was embarrassed if I didn't know an answer. If somebody asked me something, I was like, uh, uh. Or what happens if you hit it in the net or you. Right. You're paying me for a lesson. My job is to get the ball back to you. Because if I can't, you might as well just go hit with somebody else. So you're paying me a lot of money, and I thoroughly appreciate this. Is you're paying me so I can feed my family and feed myself, but I need to get this ball back. But how do you view that now? I view it now in that we're not we practice for perfection, but we never reach it. And I think that, and I try to explain to my students and myself as well. I have. If there's five components to a one-handed backhand, and I have a one-handed backhand, and I can get, and I'm playing somebody that hits a certain way that's stressing out my backhand, and it prevents me from getting all five pieces of the puzzle, and I'm getting three out of five, I have seven. Right? And that's, and that's, and at any given moment, your opponent is hitting a shot to you that's taking those, one of those five components out. Or they're hitting a shot where you get to hit all five, but it's, and I think it's really rare. I try to explain to my, I explain to myself, "Hey, you're not a robot. You're you're fallible. Also, you're human. And here's one: as your students get better, you 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 can't keep playing this. You're same. a rocker. You're not a robot. Right." That's right. a very big difference. Yes, and you're and and so when I'm trying to realize it, for every like let's say you have a great rally, right? And you're like, oh, that doesn't feel right. Oh, that shot doesn't feel right. And then all of a sudden, it's like, boom! And you're like, oh, that was it. That was the Quan man. I got like Jerry Maguire on that, right? <laughs> right. Cuba right. Gooding was all about it right there, right? And you're just like, that's what it's supposed to feel like. But you don't get that one shot every shot right because you wouldn't appreciate it right it's every shot's a little off and you especially don't get it if you have an emotional mask and a hyper awareness of your frailties you have to sublimate those when you're on the tennis court because if you don't sublimate your hyper awareness and your emotions you're going to cripple the learning process right and and the teaching process both. Right, because Both your coach sides. because your coach Both can't sides. well your coach can't get through to you. Your coach can't well, and I think you're thinking of three sides. You're thinking about oh, yeah, yeah. really the coach itself, the coach itself, if you're hyper aware and your frailties and your judgments and all that. But from the students, you're you're shutting off both both you're shutting off the the pipeline to learning, right? Because you're not willing to hear it. And because you're not willing to hear it, you can't process it and you can't assimilate it into your game. You just you just it's done. You know, you're, walk you, off the court. You'd probably be better, you know, better. So, cause it, you're just killing time at that point. Right. And you're paying. For, right, well, and right. not just that, but you're, but the, but the problem is, is you're, you're sort of unknowingly ingraining and negative about the lesson. Well, I and think it's not the lesson's fault. No, I think what's interesting too, about this game is that when people come in like, Oh, I'm so distracted. So you have two kinds of people. If I'm really distracted and I come out and I start hitting, I can, like I said, I, I disappear back into the game and the ball and I, I find it like the haptic response of hitting a ball. Right. And the, like, I like to move like a tennis player. Sure. I like the movement. It's very, um, balletic, balletic, but it's also, uh, you know, uh, hypnotic. Yeah. And you fall, fall in that. Right? right. And, but there are people that can't get themselves into the shape of the court and the game and, and let that become their new reality for a right. little bit. And that's, I, I think know. it's a very tough thing too, being a tennis coach. I'll be honest with you because, um, 
you're having to account for all these personalities, but I mean, even they talk about this, even with respect to like taking vacations, like persons, <laughs> person taking vacation, right? A person goes off and takes a vacation and it takes them three days to adjust sometimes as much as four to adjust because they're so in the mode of their lives and then they get there and then all of a sudden they're like, they just can't adjust. And, and they're not accepting of what's going on or they're still their phone, whatever they're still in work mode or whatever. And they're not enjoying the very thing that they just paid for. They're not, they're not enjoying it at all. And they can't take it in and they can't really, really enjoy it the way that they had envisioned that they would enjoy it. And that's one thing I think we need to teach. This is the, the tennis rockers rock your brain. We need to teach people how to mind travel. Yeah. Where you don't need to physically move your location to change your headspace. And I mean like out of state or out of mm -hmm. the country. Sure. I'm talking about go to a tennis court. If you can find solace in there, right, where you walk out and you can change your headspace. Like, oh, like, like meditation for people. Right. Or yoga, whatever it may be, right? right? I don't care what your jam is. But what a gift. Right. What a gift you can give to your kids or to yourself or to anybody. But that's a perception thing that we have to, that on Tennis Rockers, we want to try to help people understand and see and start to process because it's a perception thing. Because if you're an adult, everything is sort of concrete and black and white. It's like, okay, now I, you know, now I go here, I get gas. Now I go there, I go to the store. Now I go here, I play tennis. It's very concrete. You know what I mean? It's not, you know, get gas. I'm, I could be filling up a Formula One car. You know, go to the grocery store. I'm nurturing my body. And it's a it's a journey into the agricultural depths of humanity. And then, you know, and then I'm on the tennis court and I'm, you know, but, but you know, we can mock it and make whatever, but no, no it's, but it's, it's, but it's true. And it's all how you want to see it. I'm getting gas. I'm going to the grocery store. No, I'm going to go to the tennis court. Or, you know, I'm, I'm going on to this place that allows me to move and experience life in a certain way that I just don't in an, an ordinary, in an ordinary day, you know, just, just, I don't, unless you're going every day to the tennis court. But the point is, is that, you know, we have to, we, I think we have to do a very better job of, of doing that rather than just being commoditized. Because I think the tennis experience is a, t is an experience. It's not just a, it's not a commodity. It's, it's not, it's not a commodity. You, Folks, you can't put a price on it. Well, you I, do I, put I, a price. I, no, you do put a price I know, on what it. I'm saying is I, I feel like once you get this game, right. Once you get it, right. You cannot shake it. Right. And I mean well, that. because you can't put a price on you while well, you can put a price on court time and, and a lesson and whatever, you can't put a price on the fact that you're playing against somebody. And it could be in my case, my kids and I have an experience with them. I can't, I can buy that in the store. I mean, I can't, <laughs> it's not, it's not going to happen. So the point is, is like, okay, um, I'm, I'm having this experience. What's that worth? And it's worth all the tea in China. I mean, it's, it's a huge experience. I mean, I, I can't, I can't, you know, but I think we have to do a better job of that. And I think that's part of the whole tennis rockers experience that we're trying to get across is we want to bring in cross discipline. We want to bring in people from other disciplines. We want to talk about and share ideas and we want to broaden out the tennis experience. So people see it more than a commodity because I think honestly, tennis has suffered from too long from being thought of as a commodity and it's not a commodity. It's not, it's a gift. It's a gift. It's, it's a an gift, experience it's that experience. people have. So and if, 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 if there's fine, if people, there's people on the other side who are going to look at it as that, and that's fine. We on the tennis rocker space, if you want to follow along with us, this is the way we view this. So it's very different than the other stuff you're going to hear that's out there. But we have a reason for saying that and doing that and taking this perspective. It's it's what we and we're not the end all be all either. We never we were. No, again, a creatively conversation. And I want I don't want just coaches on here. I want players on here. I want I don't want just those people. I, I want, want people, people from other disciplines. That's what, yes, everybody. But I'm saying I want also the people that play that are coming to the sport late in life. Right. I want these people here. I want people to speak up and because they have they have experiences with the game that go beyond high performance and they have experiences with the game that go beyond, you know, uh, whatever it is, just this, uh, just this sort of 
singular focused view of the sport. They have a, they have a different viewpoint on the sport that they bring to it. You know, somebody might sit there and say, you know, I'm a recovering addict and this is the best way I know how to whatever. Somebody else might say, you know, I, I have, I have so many health problems and this just gets my mind off these health problems. Wow. That's really cool. Whatever it is, you know, um, or people wrote me off as being crappy at sport at sport. And this was the one sport where people didn't judge me and they allowed me to just play the game and I could do what I, I felt like best. And, and yeah, I'm not the best tennis player in the world, but I have fun doing it. And, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't change that for the world. And that's a gift that tennis has given me. And whatever it is, the stories can go on forever. The idea is to bring in things, to, to think about it in different ways, to rock it, and to bring the spirit of rock and roll to this whole thing versus, you know, which is rock and roll is a diverse um, living human experiment. I don't want to use the word thing. I have a real problem with the word thing because I think it, it, it dilutes specificity and it's rock and roll is a very amorphous. You can, you can, you can try to pin it down to a certain style or a certain band, but it's experimental. It's, it's disruptive. It changes things. It try, it doesn't try to be one thing. It tries to be a bunch of things. And I think we could infuse that spirit into tennis because, um, we, we've for a long time we've been going down a single route and I think that we need to rethink that and 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 that's really the idea behind tennis rockers man you know from my perspective anyway I'm in <laughs> all <laughs> right do you know where you are so join us you're in the jungle baby <laughs> you're gonna die so so join us on a journey with tennis rockers Come and on. hopefully you will uh You'll have some fun along the way. Think about and, and challenge us, man. Challenge us. We, are we, we want we want to rock your brain and rock your body. And we want if you're listening, we want you to rock our brains and rock our bodies because we are tennis rockers, tennis rockers, baby. Tennis rockers. Baby. Tennis rockers baby.